0: And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Thanks
1: for joining us on History Makers. Joining me on the line is Sam Albury, who is part of the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries team, who've been visiting Australia for a Hillsong Symposium. Sam's been covering the topic of sexuality and the Bible, and we're going to be hearing a bit of Sam's story today. Welcome along, Sam. Tell us a bit of your
0: story. Where were you born and raised? Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Um, I was born and raised in, in the south-east of England, um, an area called Kent. Did you have a very uh, religious upbringing at all? Not really at all, no. We, we never really went to church or or did any of that kind of thing growing up, so I, I, I didn't have any sort of strong feelings either way about Christianity growing up. I, I sort of had vague notions of there might be a God out there somewhere, but I, I certainly didn't have any particular... I wasn't particularly informed about what Christians believed or even would have understood the gospel at that stage.
1: Mm, Well, tell us about your faith journey. How did it all begin?
0: Uh, It all began really being invited to a a youth ministry by a couple of friends of mine just as I was finishing high school. Uh, These are a couple of friends my age who I I really respected and admired, and they they invited me to the church's youth group. Uh, I went along. The first time I went, I heard a, a gospel presentation. The first time I heard it... I realized it was true. It was was all a very quick process. So I began to realize during that presentation that the vague idea of what I thought Christianity was about was entirely wrong. I'd assumed it was all about God being nice to good people rather than God being gracious to bad people. And so I immediately realized that this message I was hearing was so fundamentally different to anything I'd previously assumed about the Christian faith. And therefore, I began to realize that the Jesus behind this message was far more compelling and actually much less easy than, again, the, the sort of vague image of Jesus I'd had in my head. So I very quickly began to, to kind of feel drawn to his message, and it was very shortly after that, that time that I, I kind of consciously gave my life to Christ.
1: And was there a lot of noticeable changes in your life after that moment?
0: Um, I, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I was uh, 17 years old at the time, just about to turn 18. Um, I, I hope that, I mean, the, some immediate behavioral changes in terms of I started going to church regularly, started reading my Bible regularly, started praying. was suddenly in this entirely new world of Christian truth. And I remember it being such a thrilling adventure to, to begin to explore the Bible and this, this new faith that I had. So there are lots of changes in terms of immediate kind of Christian behavior and service and that kind of thing. I I hope my behavior changed more generally. Um, I may not be best placed to (laughs) to speak to that, but um, I certainly wanted to live for Jesus Mm. and to follow him and knew that that was going to be the right thing to do, whatever it might involve.
1: And tell us about your early career. Did you uh, study straight after school or uh, did you go straight into the workforce? What, what was life like for you I, then?
0: I took a, took a year off and uh, worked locally for a while, did a little bit of traveling, then went to university for three years. I had obviously just become a Christian. I switched degrees. I was going to do a degree in environmental science and geography. But now I was a Christian, I really wanted to find out what other people believed. So I did a degree in comparative religion. Which it turns out is not the best way to find out what other people believe. Cause <laughs> no one quite does what the textbook says they're supposed to do when it comes to these things. But it was certainly good for me to try and get a better handle on different belief systems that are out there and, and that kind of thing.
1: And then what did you do after
0: university? I Well, I began, during my time at university, I felt the Lord kind of leading me into pastoral ministry. So I, I began to, I did a one-year kind of Bible training course immediately after university, then worked for a a mission organization for a couple of years and then during that time applied to be a pastor. Um, I I was in the Church of England, so I, I was applying to be ordained within the Church of England and then went and studied theology for three years and was then ordained.
1: Now you've done a lot of ministry uh, over the years. You've been involved in uh, ministry to university students. Uh, You've been involved uh, with uh, the Gospel Coalition as an editor and a writer and an author of a number of books. Uh, Tell us about your transition into ministry. How how did that? uh, uh, How did that come about?
0: Well, it it was actually a few, just a few months after I was converted. I was interviewed by my pastor at church just to give my testimony. And I had, this is one of the the ironies that the Lord seems to love to to put into our lives, but I I grew up with a deep fear of public speaking. So I spent my my high school career doing everything I could to avoid having to stand up and say things in front of other people. Um, After I became a Christian, my pastor asked me if I'd be willing to be interviewed. I I said I would be. I was sick with worry (laughs) uh, running up to that, but... I noticed for the first time I had something I actually wanted to share in front of other people and at the end of that interview my my pastor kind of just said to me as an aside, you're going to be a preacher. That thought had never remotely entered my mind up until that point but I knew from that moment that it was true. Um, I knew that that was what the Lord was going to have for me and really ever since I was converted my, my heart's desire has been to help build up people in their faith, to try to help people be thrilled with who Jesus is and what we have in him. And so I, I really, very early on, wanted to to try to serve the local church in, in any way I could to that end.
1: And I'd love to know a bit of the heart behind some of these books you've released. I love some of the titles. One of them's called Why Bother with Church. Tell us about that one.
0: Yeah, that really is, is trying to deal with a series of questions that, that Christians often have, and there are a lot of people out there who would say something like, well, I do Jesus, but I don't do church. And so, and in many cases, people have, have had difficult experiences with churches or have been hurt at church, and so there are some serious issues often behind that kind of comment. But there's a more kind of general sense of, do I need to go to church to be a Christian? And so one of the things I'm trying to do in that book is just deal with some of the the frequently asked questions people often have about church and its place in the Christian life. And the the real heart of the book is to try to show people that we should be bothered with the things that Jesus is bothered with, and he is massively bothered with church. Um, it's not his weekend project, it's his bride. <laughs> and so if we want to take Jesus seriously, we need to take seriously the things that he takes seriously. And that does include being part of... A community of believers. So it's just trying to tease out some of those things, and particularly with a with a mind towards those who who may have been bruised um, by by experiences in the church in the past.
1: Mm, sounds like a very important book. Uh, Why bother with church? I love the title, and uh, you've also released a best-selling book: "Is God Anti-Gay?" Uh, tell us about that one.
0: Yes, well, um, that that has come out of a. Again, this is not an academic issue for me at all. This has been something I've had to to wrestle with and think through personally in my own life. Um, this issue has been one that is I've had to grapple with myself. Um, and so I, I felt that that would give me I hope a unique perspective on the issue. I'm, I'm writing on the issue from the inside of it as someone who has had experience of, of same-sex attraction um, for many years. And just trying to, again, help us as a Christian community understand some of the issues around human sexuality, what the Bible has to say, is the gospel good news on this issue, um, and how we can better support people in our own church family for whom this is an issue, how we can make our churches places where people can flourish in their own discipleship, their own following of Jesus, where we can be a good witness on this, have clarity about what we believe, and I hope a sense of compassion and community as we walk with people through this kind of issue.
1: So explain to us, what do you mean by the phrase, same-sex attracted?
0: Thank you. So I know for for myself, the only real sexual and romantic feelings I've ever had have been for other men. Um, I I began to realise that during my time at high school, um, then became a Christian and began to, to look through what, The message of jesus was on on all that that whole side of things i felt for many years that although the the most common way of talking about these things would would be in our culture to say that i'm gay or to say something like that to me one of the important threads that we see in the bible is that um, we're not defined by our sexual feelings yet to say i'm gay often implies to many people more than just these happen to be the sexual feelings i have and often instead sounds like this is who I am, this is my primary identity, this is a matter of, this is, this is the category of humanity I most identify with. And so although the language of same-sex attraction is not always as, as common, certainly in the, in the secular world, for me, it, I just find myself more comfortable with that because it's, it's a descriptor rather than a definer. Um, I'm trying to describe one aspect of life as I experience it without sort of putting undue weight on that so it's really it's slightly a slightly clumsy way of putting it but it's it's just trying to avoid this impression that this is a kind of fundamental core of who I am which I think is where our culture is often at making sexual feelings defining but seems to me to be a very weak way of understanding who we are as human beings. And
1: you've chosen to remain celibate?
0: That's right. Yes. So my understanding is that Jesus Himself teaches that um, sex outside the covenant of, of marriage between a man and a woman is not appropriate. And so, having had to work through all of that, um, it's it's not appropriate for me if I'm not married. It's not appropriate for me to be in a, any kind of same-sex relationship. So, I don't think everyone who is same-sex attracted needs. Be single, I know a number who've been able to marry people of the other sex who've they 've had sufficient attraction and, and chemistry with for that to be um, a good way forwards, but for many of us, that may not be realistic and, and in which case celibacy is is the path the Lord would have for us um, and so i 've had to do a lot of thinking about what the Bible teaches on singleness and the, the goodness of singleness and I've actually got a book coming out in a a few months on singleness just to try to help the church better understand that issue as well.
1: Well, it's wonderful to hear you uh, be so honest and uh, share from a Christian worldview about same-sex attraction. Uh, I'm sure it's a minefield for you when you're having discussions with people. Uh, So what does the LGBTQI community think of you calling yourself a... Same-sex attracted Christian, uh, not a gay Christian. Uh, how, how do you uh, how do you explain that when you're approached by that community?
0: Yeah, it. Um, I mean, it varies. To be honest, there's not one particular voice within that community, and there's a huge amount of variety. So, some for some people, the language is very unfamiliar. For other people, it's offensive, um, particularly for slightly older people in the in the LGBT community the word gay was something they feel as though they they fought and died for and don't like seeing people kind of uh kind of brush it to one side my experience has been that actually some younger people in the in the lgbt community tend to be more familiar with the language of same-sex attraction because it's less binary sounding to them than the language of being straight or gay It, it kind of it it locates things on a spectrum rather than on a binary and for some people that's that's preferable so it really varies the kind of response i get some people are intrigued by my perspective some people are are appalled by it um it's never dull that's for sure (laughs) Um, but on the whole i've 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 had very pleasant interactions with with non-christians within the gay community on this kind of issue and There's not always agreement and I wouldn't expect there to necessarily always be agreement but there's there's certainly been, I've had some really wonderful discussions and and interactions with with people to be honest, it's been um, a great privilege.
1: I guess the the big question that we need to tackle, and, and it's great that we're having a conversation about this because a lot of people never talk about it. A lot of people have never studied it, never looked at what the Word of God says about it. And, and you know, you've obviously, you know, you've released books on this. You you, you speak with the Ravi Zacharias Ministries. You've you obviously got a lot of uh, expertise in this area. So I guess, the, I guess, the big question that I'm thinking of is, you know, Lady Gaga wrote that song "Born This Way," and do, do, is that what? What do you think on that? Do you think you were born this way, or do you think it's a temptation
0: that you, you wrestle with? What's your thoughts on that? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I'm, I might have been. I mean, it, it, it feels like it's been there for as far back as I can remember, in one way or another, even way before puberty. Um, it is certainly a temptation. Whether I was born that way or not actually doesn't make any difference, because we know from the message of Jesus that, We all need to be born again because we weren't born right the first time anyway and so even if there are certain propensities certain feelings certain inclinations that we were born with that doesn't necessarily make those inclinations right because we know that we've been born in a way that is um, you know we're we're in need of spiritual rebirth um so we, we didn't come out right the first time anyway um and I don't think there's a consensus, certainly in the non-Christian world, I don't think there's a consensus yet on whether this is a genetic thing, whether people have a genetic predisposition to it, or whether it's environmental, or whether it's something else entirely. But um, for me, that, that is less significant um, that the origins and cause of it, less significant than obviously how we respond to it and what God's Word has to say about it and how we live in the light of those things.
1: And so do you think same-sex attraction is sinful?
0: Um, it depends what you mean by, by the attraction. If you mean, I don't think temptation itself is a sin. Um, it can be, and often is sadly, the occasion for sin. I don't think it's a sin to be tempted in this way. Um, it, the fact that any of us are tempted in the ways that we are is a sign that we have a heart that so easily goes after these things. Um, but I don't think having the capacity... To be same-sex attracted is itself a sin. I do think that the sexual desire for someone of the opposite sex is a sinful desire and needs to be resisted and and repented of. But I don't think the the experience of temptation itself is necessarily a sin. Uh, I see in a number of places in the in the scriptures where there's a there's a distinction between temptation and sin. The Lord's Prayer says we are to be delivered from temptation but forgiven for sin James 1 says that temptation can give birth to sin so I hope that helps mm. and
1: I'm curious to uh, read your book on singleness which is coming out soon uh, because the reality is the apostle Paul talked about it is uh, it is a gift and uh, you can do more for God when you're single that that was uh, that, uh, you know part of his message wasn't it
0: It it was entirely, and the the book is called Seven Myths About Singleness, and it's really aimed at the church. There's there's plenty of good books out there by singles for singles. This is really, I hope, a book to help the church better think through this issue and, and, you know, better be a supportive community for single people. But one of the the things is to show that actually singleness is a good thing in the New Testament. It's it's not a, we often treat it in the Christian world today as kind of (laughs) a distant second best. Uh, to being married but as you say there are certain opportunities and freedoms that come with singleness and also certain challenges let's be honest about that but it's not intrinsically a bad thing it's intrinsically a good thing which is which is liberating because it means whether we are married or single we are experiencing the goodness of god in Mm -hmm. either of those gifts each comes with its own ups and downs and the, the danger is that we compare the ups of one with the downs of the other and i know a lot of christians who compare the ups of marriage with the downs of singleness and don't realize that there are downs in marriage and ups in singleness. So we need to... And the Bible gives us a a wonderfully realistic view of both marriage and singleness. Um, So, yes, I hope hope that will help the church just kind of be better equipped to to think and behave on these these kinds of things. Mm.
1: Well, it's been wonderful to hear your story and thank you for being so honest with us. And I'm just thinking, you know, there might be people listening that either have wrestled with same-sex attraction themselves, or they have a relative. Uh, I'm sure everyone has a relative that that struggles with same-sex attraction, and it's it can be a very awkward conversation. Uh, and as Christians, we always need to speak with love. We always need to speak um, with a heart of compassion and love, and and you know, not uh, uh, judging people and not. You know, attacking people over this issue because uh, you know we need to have the love of Christ. So, so what would be your advice for people who are wrestling with same-sex attraction? Um, how do they deal with that in in light of Scripture and in light of a relationship with God? What, what would your advice be? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I talk about this more in the book. So, what I say now is just a, a, a sort of summary of that. I think if it's something you're wrestling with personally, it's good to realise that firstly, this this doesn't define you. This is not the kind of the the key to who you are, and nor does it disqualify you. This does not mean you are you know beyond the reach of of God's grace and you know just too far gone to, to ever be someone who could walk with Christ. so I'd, I'd kind of want to make that point. I'd also want to say that um you you are just one example of what everyone is. We're, we're all broken in this area of life. Uh, we're all disordered in this area of life and so the gospel the gospel does level the playing field on this so i want want people to feel as though they are kind of especially uniquely catastrophically sinful in the way that nobody else is just because they wrestle with this issue it's certainly been a, a great help to me to have christian friends that i can speak to about this christian leaders who who can kind of walk with you on this we're not designed to to deal with these issues on our own in the christian life so to have some understanding godly wise people around who can help you process things is a huge help as is obviously getting to know the the mind of god on these things as well and just sort of trying to see not just what the bible says on on some of these things but but why the bible says it what the what the rationale is there in Scripture. Because once we get that, it then makes sense of the various do's and don'ts that we're given in the Christian life. And certainly seeing the, the, the kind of, the wider story in the Bible of of how marriage is meant to be a, a picture of Christ in the church helps us then make sense of some of the prohibitions that flow out of that. So I think all of those things will, will help. Um, not to assume... God will immediately heal you of it. Not to assume that he can't. Um, we, we just don't have control over that side of things. Our, our job is to to be faithful to God, to stand up under temptation, uh, to, to become more like Jesus. And um, we don't always know whether some of these forms of temptation will be long-term or whether they will just be a season in our lives. But... Um, the main thing is that actually, fundamentally, we're all in the same boat as believers. We all have inclinations that, that we know are not right. For many of us, some of those inclinations are, are pretty distressing, um, and that's why all of us need each other, that's why all of us need ongoing daily grace from God, and to keep listening to him and depending prayerfully upon him.
1: It's been wonderful to hear from you today, uh, Sam. And if people want to find out more, Sam Albury is a pastor and writer based in Maidenhead, UK, and a global speaker for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, author of the best-selling book, Is God Anti-Gay? And other books like Why Bother With Church and James For You. Uh, Sounds like another good one. If you want to find out more, you can go to the website rzim.org. Uh, that's uh, Ravi Zacharias, Ministries.org and you can search up Sam Albrew to find more information. God bless you, mate. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry, and we appreciate every donation.